Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. And we're going to talk about the movies we watched this week before crowning the baddest dad and raddest dad of them all. And as always, dad is an energy and not a gender. So we had a fun week last week. Busy, busy. Yeah, I uh, I think it's really cute. We I loved having Ashley on the show. Yeah. And uh, she also loved being on the show when yeah. the when the episode dropped. She listened to it three times. I think so. In a day. She's going to be a star. Which uh, is very cute. And also impressive considering the episode's like two hours and 20 yeah, minutes. I haven't <laughs> listened to an episode of ours in a long time. I mean, they're really good. Oh, yeah. They're good. Qual- As you know, if you're listening, it's quality stuff. Oh, big time. Yeah, 10 out of 10. But I used to always re- listen to them before we dropped them, and I haven't been doing that. I just trust that it's quality. Yeah. I mean, I listen to them. Yeah, I trust that you have vetted them for quality. Yeah. Come see, come saw. (laughs) (laughs) What? Just kidding. Just kidding. But a quick little story I wanted to tell before uh, we dove into the show proper. It was was really funny. So Ashley's partner, Perry, he's been telling us that he won't consider us famous until we have more followers on Instagram than he does. And I think he's sitting at like a cool 230 something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, I, I think at the start of Friday, we were sitting at like 182. No, 170 something. 170 something. So we go, it was Perry's birthday and we went to celebrate with him and all of his, all of his pals and our buddy Ashley. And we met a few of his friends that are in the military with him. And we, you know, we've been trying to make an effort that whenever we're in kind of a crowd or a group of people that we just subtly try to be like, hey, we have a podcast. <laughs> um, just to Yeah, kind we're of, those annoying people. Yeah, just to get that like word of mouth, you know, try not to be annoying about it. But if you ask a question, we'll give oh, you all the information. Yeah, don't show <laughs> that you're interested because you'll get the whole spiel. Yeah. It's like, are you interested in a Best Buy rewards card? And then <laughs> we'll give you the whole thing. Um, 
we we kind of let we spilled the beans that Perry has said we're not famous until we have more followers than him. Well, I think he made a cheeky comment. I think he was like, "Well, do you have any? Do you have more followers than me yet?" Yeah. So it's really his fault but, that this all happened. But we we spilled the beans, and his friends, who are just as much shysters as he is, were like, "Okay, let's blast this out. Let's get you guys more followers than Perry." And they just started reaching out, but in particular, Perry's one friend, Connor. Was just like sending, he just kind of sat back in the couch. It was on his phone for like a good 15, 20 minutes, just messaging out and sending out our Instagram account to get people to follow it. Well, and then he came to the realization that another strategy was to decrease Perry's follower count. And he unfollowed him and was encouraging other people to do so. <laughs> yeah, to kind of meet in the middle. Um, we didn't, we got a. A cool bump there. Yeah, we were sitting at like high 170s and we're almost at 200 now. So if you also would like us to be more famous than Perry, encourage some people to follow us on Instagram <laughs> yeah. at paddad.raddad. And you know, if you're doing that while you're there, you know, maybe listen to some, <laughs> episodes. some episodes. Maybe listen to the show. Well, I bet if you're hearing this message, you listen to the show, but possibly don't follow us on Instagram. Not the so, other way around. So now there is your motivation to follow us on Instagram. We post funny stuff sometimes. Yeah. We're all right. Pretty cute. Pretty cute. I like that story, though. I thought it was very funny. Pretty cute story. Yep. Love it. Okay. Let's uh, let's dive into the content for the week. So we watched... Oh, my God. We, what did we watch? Four movies? <laughs> yeah. So many movies. <laughs> um. So the first movie was my mystery movie pick. I picked the movie Mad God from 2021. It's an animation fantasy horror movie directed and written by Phil Tippett. So Phil Tippett is a revolutionary visual effects artist. He's worked on a few like smaller indie films like Jurassic Park, Star Wars, RoboCop, Starship Troopers, and Willow. You just said smaller indie films. Like, <laughs> yes. That was, that was on purpose. That's that a bit. Oh, oh, gosh. That's really funny, Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, synopsis for this film is uh, the assassin travels through a nightmare world of tortured souls, ruined cities, and wretched monstrosities forged from the primordial horrors of the unconscious mind of Phil Tippett the world's preeminent stop motion animator. Um, and it, it it's kind of a weird cast. Like it's not, there's not a lot of dialogue um, proper in this. I just kind of listed Alex Cox who plays the last man. And he's kind of like our pro, quote unquote protagonist going through this story, but there's a few kind of other voices scattered throughout, but I wanted to watch this. Um, it popped up on shutter uh, a while ago and then our buddy jeremy over at sick boy was like was kind of plugging it to us as well no, he hadn't seen it he though. hadn't seen it oh, okay. but he's just like <laughs> i don't remember him telling us to watch it no he's just like have you seen mad god you should, uh, you should watch mad god even though he hadn't seen it yeah wow that yeah. went one in in one ear and out the other <laughs> um and then metro cinema was playing mm-hmm. it and i wanted to catch that but we just the timing didn't line up but um, just a little bit of background on this, because it's actually pretty cool how this came to be. So um, I grabbed this from IMDb. So this fully stop motion animated film was Phil Tippett's pet project. More than 30 years in the making, he started working on it late in the 1980s after making Robocop 2, uh, but considered abandoning it when Jurassic Park was released in 1993. 
and CGI animation seemed to make stop motion a thing of the past. However, some ur- after some urging, he started a Kickstarter campaign that allowed him to finish the movie. So it's just it's kind of wild. Like it's been over 30 years that he's been working on this thing. And yeah, now it's like fully come to fruition. And it is. We were able to watch it on Shutter. I got to sneeze. <laughs> wow. Bless you. Oh, thank you. Bless it be the fruit. <laughs> I also didn't really realize that Kickstarter was still kicking. That's still a thing. Well, I knew it was still a thing, but I didn't know it was doing like big projects. I mean, I knew you mm-hmm. got me that cool nightmare game that I don't have yet. Yeah. That's the thing about Kickstarter. Real delayed gratification there. <laughs> yeah. You, you're really excited when you're initially backing something. And then you're just like, yeah, I can't wait for that thing. That might come out sometime. <laughs> or maybe it's good that you like kind of forget about it. And it's like that it's delivered or you see it. I don't know. I'll report when the game comes. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Mad God? So I really like stop motion animation. Me too. Who doesn't? So cool. You don't like stop motion animation. Why? Well, definitely, yeah. And like the folks over at Leica are like, they're kind of like the ones crushing it on the scene. The, like they did Coraline. Is Kubo Baranor. stop motion? Yeah. That's yeah. also Leica. Yeah, yeah. So, I, well, just they only do stop motion? Yeah. I think you got to fact check that. I don't think that's true. Anyway, I really like stop motion. I um, am a hot topic girl. I like Nightmare Before Christmas. And I like Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I like PJ Harvey's farm. PJ oh. Katie's? PJ <laughs> Katie? It's not. Oh, PJ Harvey's a musician. Yeah. <laughs> Is PJ Katie's farm stop motion? Not really. No, she just has a bunch of like plasticine <laughs> creatures that she moves with her hands on screen in real time. Close. It's close. It's <laughs> DIY stop motion. Um, I just fact checked like a, they've only done Missing Link, Kubo, Box Trolls, Paranorman, and Coral. Okay, so you were correct. You were correct. You just were a little um, little, a little uh, bossy about it. You were like, yeah, well, it's like us, so. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know they only did stop motion. Pee pee poo poo. Pee pee poo poo. Anyway, I like stop motion. So like this was cool to see a stop motion horror film. I don't know that I've ever seen such a thing. Yeah. I think there's been stop motion moments in horror films or like, you know, like the pop-up book in like the Babadook and like cool things like that. But to see this like full film in stop motion was really, really great. And what surprised me about it, considering it's a stop motion film, is how gross it was. It was so gross. Like it was... It had like some of the best body horror I think I've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. but in a um, gooey way. It was very gooey. Like it was poopy, <laughs> like like literal. Yeah, poopy. I feel like and gooey. I feel like, and I put it in my letterbox review, but I feel like the subtitles frequently said wet squelching. Yeah, but a different kind of wet squelching than what you see in Stranger Things, where it's like tentacles and shit. In this, it was like poop and vomit and like blood and like wetness in the ground <laughs> and like, yeah. Yeah. Which, to be clear, I liked. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like a ooey gooey. I like an ooey gooey too. But for some people, I think the poop takes it too far. Where if that's just yeah. like too gross for them, I did like that. Yeah. No, I agree. It and it, uh, yeah, I I loved the I loved the ooey gooey. I I loved 
I love the body horror aspect of this, but like in terms of just kind of the pacing and the storytelling, like it felt there was like kind of a bit of like, it felt a little Lynchian. Yeah. Like just kind of this very surreal, very question mark over my head the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Not the first movie we watched this week that made me feel that way. Yeah. No kidding. Um. Well, so yeah, it's interesting. Like it's more atmosphere than story. Yes. And while we were watching it, I had this thought in my head and I was going to save it for, for now to like really get this like cool hot take. But then you said it. So I guess it wasn't such a hot take, which is you said it reminded you of Little Nightmares, yes. the video game. So I had been thinking it was reminding me of Inside, the video game. Yeah. Um, and then in that, I was like, oh, which reminds me of Limbo, which reminds me of Little Nightmares. Mm-hmm. So it has that kind of, and I love all three of those games, mm-hmm. including Little Nightmares too. Mm-hmm. So all four of those games, mm-hmm. um, which they're very atmospheric games and you're never entirely clear what the story is. You're kind of dropped into this world. It's pretty freaky. And and you're the protagonist and you were trying to get through it. Yeah. It, this almost felt like a side scroller game. Well, yeah. It, like it felt very, even from the opening scene, it felt very linear. Like yeah. we, we were just yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of like moving. We're going down and then we're like, just go you're you're on a journey through this underworld, right? Yeah. And so I don't in, think we ever go back. Uh not proper. Yeah. Makes me like kind of wish this had been a video game. Like I think mm. so I liked it. I liked watching it. I think I would have liked to see it in a theater. I think that would have yeah. there's some movies where I, I was talking about this with somebody recently. I think it might have been when we were in Toronto. Um about how sometimes if a movie's older, I do better with it in the theater because it loses my attention at home. Yeah. But in the theater, just like the spectacle of the screen and the experience of being out allows me to be a little bit more engrossed than I would be at home. And then the opposite is true sometimes. Like if it's a really quiet movie or, you know, there's no subtitles and it's hard to hear, I'll probably do better at home. But this is one that I think I would have enjoyed more in the theater for like seeing all that ooey gooey like up front. And I think I would have got lost in the audiovisual spectacle of it all in a way that like I didn't as much at home. Mm, yeah yeah i agree because there isn't really a story proper no like you said there's no dialogue like i i want you to play as the last man or the assassin or whatever his name is yeah as opposed to simply watching him yeah that's a cool idea i i don't know does a stop motion video game exist probably i mean not that i've seen or know of off the top of my head but i uh I love that idea. I feel like it would take forever to make. Like, I feel like it kind of be like a cuphead labor of love kind of thing. Wouldn't this take like 30 years or something to make? Yeah. Yeah. So imagine how it is a video game where there has to be like. Mm-hmm. Op- maybe well, maybe it could be a video game where there's literally only one way to play through it. Yeah. Like there aren't options. But then how does that work? I don't know. I'm not a video game creator. But if you are and you're listening to this. We'd buy that game. Yeah. Big time. We'll tip it. Um, I, uh, something else that was really impressive about this movie was I was kind of reading up on it and just the, the passion behind it, mm-hmm. um, and reading that just kind of added to the experience mm-hmm. in retrospect. So there's a couple of things I was reading up on that, uh, I want to share with you that I thought were kind of cool. Um, so according to Phil Tippett, lots of the work on the film was done on Saturdays by students who wanted to get some filmmaking experience. Um, and there was a particular scene um, with a bunch of little army men. Um, and it, I guess it took 
six people three years to complete this. Holy scene. moly. Yeah. Like talk about a labor of love. Yeah. You, yeah. Um it's, this is why people don't make stop motion. But I love it so much. Yeah. It's just like it's kind of like it's it's I mean, it's why movies like Jurassic Park, which he worked on, still stand the test of time because there's that tangible practical like gremlins yeah if gremlins was cgi i don't think i'd like it no you totally lose me yeah. like you just wouldn't be able to like so don't get me wrong i like dobby and stuff but i don't feel like i can pick dobby up and hug him yeah i do feel like there's a sense when i'm watching a movie with cgi no matter how much i try to suspend my disbelief and get into like the the story proper I know that that was an actor looking at nothing. Yeah. I know that that was an actor like looking at like a blue dot on a ping pong ball. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like you watch Gremlins and you're like, holy moly, that Mogwai's cute. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you want to pick Gizmo up. Yeah. I didn't want to pick anything up. In this, <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, this week. A more real world example of that would be like I've been working online for like the past two and a half years and then I went into the office the most I have in the last two years this week. And it's definitely a lot different having meetings and seeing people in person than it is over a computer. You liked it better? Yeah, there's there's like I've kind of realized there's aspects to my workflow that work better at home and then work better in the office. I found... That I was, I'm more present in meetings when they're in person. Oh, for sure. Because you're not you, like I. A lot of people, and I, I see, I do it, and I see other people doing it too. Like, it's so easy to get distracted when mm-hmm. you're on your computer. Like, you can be in a meeting, but you might be looking at something else, dealing with emails mm-hmm. or whatever. But I found myself like when you're sitting in a boardroom with a bunch of people, you're you're not on your phone, you're not on your computer, you're c- completely engaged in the meeting but then that's what's interesting about this stop motion because like you know i'm giving this example of gremlins that's not stop motion um that's puppeteer right and same with jurassic park that's not stop motion that's puppet work right it's almost like the opposite of what you're saying with stop motion because you're doing this like incredibly painstaking labor of love work and hoping it turns out the way you want it to Right. Like we we read about this stuff with Marcel the Shell with shoes on, like this meticulous recreation of the set. And if you mess one little thing up, you could lose um, like weeks of work mm-hmm. because you have to start over. Um, it's almost like taking a picture with a pull like a disposable camera. Mm-hmm. You do your very best and you hope it turns out and you got to be patient. It's almost like funding a Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to bring it full circle. You hope that it rocks in the end. <laughs> yeah. You hope that you eventually get it and enjoy the process. But yeah. I don't know. There's something about it that is so charming and like feels so passionate. And I yeah. agree with you. Everything I read post watching the movie, just the story of this film is so lovely. And this was a person committed to their vision and they made the film they wanted to make. And I think that's really sweet. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, I, I love like. I, I'm totally with you on the, the stop motion piece. Like, I just, I don't think I'll ever get tired. Like, I, this is a, a bit of a tangent, but I really 
They don't do it as much anymore, but I really hate 3D movies in the theater. Oh, yeah. We like, haven't had to see a 3D movie in ages, no. but and that was, I hate them. That was always the case. Like, if you wanted to go see the new Marvel movie or the new big blockbuster release, that most cinemas were playing it in 3D. So you had to take on watching it in 3D. And I hated that. And I there was no movie that I was ever, like, blown away by the 3D except for one. Yeah. And it was the first movie I'd ever seen in 3D in the theater, which was Coraline. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah. that was a movie because of just like the practical, tangible nature of stop motion using um, actual materials and, you know, physical things. They totally made it a very immersive 3D experience, mm-hmm. which was it just blew me out of the water and it was probably unf- unfairly set up anything I saw after yeah. that in 3D. I'm with you there. We did not see Coraline in theater together. No. But we had such similar experiences of how we felt about it that I always forget we didn't see it together mm. because it blew me away too. And then and then I was like, why does all other 3D suck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just so afterthoughty. Whereas mm-hmm. like everything with the 3D felt intentional in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, the ooey gooey in 3D, if they did Mad God in 3D, would be something. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. There are a couple moments in this that are CGI. Um, like some people, some like humans. Well, there's like, there's this piece here that's like, uh, it was like the film has no audible dialogue, consists entirely of stop motion animation and puppet work, although there are a few live action sequences where actors in puppet suits were used. Oh. So it's not even so that must be it CG. because there was a couple moments with humans where they looked CGI to me mm-hmm. and I didn't like that. I didn't like that melding of that look. So if it wasn't CGI, I guess. Well, it was like it's kind of interesting because it was um, it felt very surreal. Like it did. It didn't feel like real people. But I wonder if it was like a budget thing. They're like, hey, we can probably save some money on. And some time not having to stop motion animate everything, everything, and we can just have also also adds to that um, Lynchian nightmare dreamscape of like these some things just don't seem to fit in here. Yeah, it's kind of like blending the media kind of thing. Yeah, but I didn't love those moments. They like took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, like kind of when we're with a real person and then we're go back to like stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, what are these different species? <laughs> what are we doing? But yeah, I I really I enjoyed this. I think I'd if it was playing in the theater, I would go watch it again. Yeah, I agree. I think I would love the experience of seeing this in the theater. Yeah. Um, but very impressive. I think it's cool of just what a labor of love this was. It's um, an experience more than a story. Yeah, which yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all here for totally. Yeah, uh, how did it make you feel? Gross and icky. Yeah, yeah, kind of kind of creeped me out. It felt like it made me feel like I was living in a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I was stuck in the ooey gooey. Also, feels like it might be the um, outcome of the climate wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, climate change is just gonna get us to ooey gooey. Ooey gooey. Okay. Next one. I picked a sports movie. I'm and yeah, I'm so happy you picked this one. <laughs> um, so this came out of a so sometimes I get in my head about like not having seen some of the like classic films. Like you've seen more classic films than I have, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new show, A League of Their Own, 
had had come out and I had two friends who I trust their taste and stuff were like, oh, you got to watch it. It's so good. It's like the best thing ever. And I was like, I've never seen the original film. And I've actually been wanting to watch the original film for a long time because I like Gina Davis. I mostly like Tom Hanks. Um, and I know it's an iconic movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it now so we can watch the show because I felt like I know that the shows don't like follow each other or anything, but I feel like there was going to be some Easter eggs or just some like you would have relevant information or like things you wanted to talk about because you've seen the original movie so many times that I didn't want to miss out on that. Right. So I did want to see it first. So I picked the 1992 movie, A League of Their Own. It is classified as a drama comedy sports movie. Sports. sports. It's directed by Penny Marshall. It's been coming up a bit lately. Well, in the last year. Written by Lowell, Lowell Gans. He wrote the screenplay and the story was done by, that doesn't sound right, but Kai Wilson and Kelly Candley. Um, the synopsis is two sisters join the first female professional baseball league and struggle to help it succeed amid their growing rivalry. Stars a pretty killer cast. Uh, none other than Gina Davis as Dottie Henson. Lori Petty plays her sister Kit Keller. Madonna plays May Morbid. Mordebido, Rosie O'Donnell played Dor- uh, I can't talk. Dor- Rosie O'Donnell plays Doris Murphy. Tom Hanks plays Jimmy Dugan, and I really like Anne Ramsey, so I'm giving her a shout out. And she plays Helen Haley. But there's even more people, and a lot that we were like, oh, I recognize this from this or this or this. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've seen this movie a ton, yeah, a ton, a ton. Mm-hmm. But I guess just like tell me generally what you think of A League of Their Own. Uh. First off, I was really excited that you picked this because I had been really interested in watching this show and I kept seeing things about it. Like I follow um, Abby Jacobson and Darcy Carden, who are both in the show on Instagram. And I remember them teasing the show out so long ago and getting so excited about it. And then they just kind of slowly been releasing things. And um, so I was really excited for it. And then, yeah, it dropped. And I really wanted to, I knew you hadn't seen the movie and I've been wanting to watch it and it's kind of been in the back of my brain more recently. So, and I, I, I kind of wanted to watch it this week. So I think if you didn't pick it, I probably would have picked it, but I'm so glad that I'm so glad that you did. I need to offer a correction. Yeah. It's Kim Wilson who created, who wrote the story, not Kai Wilson. I just dropped an M in my notes, I guess. Nice. Um, well, that's cool that I made you happy. Yeah. But like you said, yeah, like I watched this a ton as a kid and like it's not like I I sought it out or anything, but it was just kind of always on TV. Um, And usually if I if I came across it, I end up watching it. What did you like about it? I, I, I think I just liked the. I mean, I like the simplicity of the story. Yeah. Like it's very accessible from a story perspective. It is. You know, that's something that I. I find this with Penny Marshall's films in general. So she did big and she made the movie Awakenings. I don't know if you remember that very well, but I sometimes teach it. I find myself getting really caught up in like the saccharine stuff that she does, like the stuff that's really like sweet and it's meant to make your heart swell and it's meant to make you feel good, right? Mm -hmm. And then after the movie's over, I'm kind of like, that manipulated me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it like, it was a little too simple. Does that like frustrate you, disappoint you? Like, or- I think in the case of this one, 
particularly with a league of their well, with a league of their own and awakenings. I don't know big enough. I do become a little disappointed. So in awakenings, I become a little disappointed in like the lack of complexity, complexity around the conversation of disability mm. and medicalization and all of that stuff. Like it scrubs the darkness out of it. Mm. And then it gets me caught up in like the sweetness of the story such to the point that I like lose any ability to critique. Right. Cause she does a really great job with her characters, particularly to get you to care about them. And then afterwards I'm like, well, kind of this, this, and this was missing from the conversation. Right. And you really simplified what's an incredibly complex thing. And I do feel that way in this too. Like there was a couple moments, like when they first see that their jerseys are going to be like skirt jerseys where I was like, oh, there's going to be like a fight and a backlash. And then like those things, they're just like, that sucks. And that's kind of it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, where they ha have the moment, and I have a quote about this um, from the screenplay writer, Lowell Gans, where he said, it did bother us that in order to be historically accurate, we could not have a diverse cast. So we came upon that scene, and the scene he's talking about is where um, the actress, Deliza uh, China Tyler, throws, she's a black woman, and she throws a baseball into the field and I think Gina Davis catches it and mm -hmm. she she kind of gives her this look and then like turns around and she's got a group of folks with her. So Lowell Gann said, uh, we came upon that scene as a way to make a point. A lot of people have commented on it over the years and I'm very glad we included it in the film. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you did the bare minimum? Yeah, it's like there's they don't have any speaking roles. And, it's, and there's not a conversation around it. So like, yeah, I found that in this and in Awakenings, there's a real like have your cake and eat it too, where you make these really, there's these really like shallow kind of grabs at like, oh, we're saying something important, but they never like dig into it. Mm -hmm. It's very Avengers Endgame, all the women being together in one scene. Right. Where yeah. it's like, okay, and then and then they're not, and then you don't really do anything else to create meaningful roles for, for women. Yeah. Um, so, well, so yeah. It's yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, and I feel like the the pendulum has kind of swung the other way now where people hate it. Like thinking of a movie like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that just like fully embraces like the culture of now and like the zeitgeist mm -hmm. and um the like the kind of the politics of now and just like fully like put it all out on on front street instead of just having like a moment in in a movie that kind of acknowledges that kind of thing and i know people people don't like you people don't people aren't fans well, of that even the new a league of their own is being review bombed yeah like review bomb to hell oh yeah like that bodies 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 there there was another movie too that we really loved that's also getting review review bombed for that reason and it's like it's it, it's so sad because it's so incorrect and so, so this is where it becomes complicated for me because like for all intents and purposes i really like a league of their own like i really liked the experience of watching it i was really mm -hmm. caught up in it i was really rooting for them and then afterwards i was like oh it was so sweet yeah. it was so sweet in a way that like it tricked me a little bit. Right. Like usually I don't like movies that are so buttoned. Yep. Well, I do, but I don't like love them. Mm -hmm. And so I think I like it more in the moment than I do after where I'm like, it feels like I'm going to be allegory metaphor queen today. Mm. It feels like eating a dessert you don't really like, but it's like dessert. So like, yeah, 
right. then afterwards you just kind of feel like junk. Right. Where it's like, okay, well, I enjoyed it in the moment because it was cake. Yeah. It's like, here's a Betty Crocker cake. It's kind of just like, yeah. It's like, or like a special. Safeway cake. Yeah. Like it's nothing special, but it's here. It is what we have for dessert. And you're like, all right. And then you eat too much of it and you're like, you can't stop because it tastes so good and it's so sweet and like icing is great, even crappy icing. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you're just like, why did I eat so much of that? And I don't feel good. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like that where I'm like, oh, like it was well acted. And there's so many things I like about it. Like, I like that it's not a love story. I like that it's not a romance. Mm-hmm. I like all the characters. I like their relationships. But there's just something missing. Yeah. As Prue would say, it's not worth the calories. <laughs> bit stodgy. A bit stodgy. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit stodgy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with that. Like I still I still like quite like it just for how, as you said, buttoned it is. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's interesting. So we also st- started watching the new series this week and we're about halfway through. I think we're exactly halfway through as of this recording. But it's already just like it's not trying to like pull this like glossy veil over our eyes of like, if you just like believe in your abilities, then like everything's going to be cool. Like it's, it's showing that like, if you slip up at all, you can be kicked out of the league or that they're very gun ho on certain people not being able to be a part of the league. Well, because we're only halfway through, I don't know yet whether it'll maintain its historical accuracy, but if it does, then like, you know, that comment of quote, it did bother us that in order to be historically accurate, we could not have a diverse cast rings hollow because so far they're managing to tell that story in tandem mm-hmm. with the story of the peaches and really well and really well. Yeah. So, you know, who's saying that couldn't have been a part of the original film. So that seems like a bit of a platitude, right? To just say, Oh, well it bothered us. Yeah. We thought about it for a minute and we were like, Oh, shucks. Just throw this scene you know, in there. We've, yeah. and we've been hearing some things lately about, you know, the casting rooms, you know, we've been reading some things, we've been hearing some things about how explicit they can be about, no, this is going to be a white cast. Yeah. And you wonder how much you can really trust a quote like that. Do you want to hear some trivia? Yeah, hit me with it. All of my trivia is based around the fact that Madonna was an absolute piece of crap during the shooting of this film. Do you know that? Really? Absolute garbage. Yeah. So I have a couple of them here. So first of all, a lot of the, if not all, of the people in the stands during the games were unpaid extras, oh, which is crappy. So to try to make that worth their time on these long shooting days, the cast would go and entertain them in between shooting. Mm-hmm. And so like Tom Hanks would go out and do puppet shows. Rosie O'Donnell would go out and do stand up. And the cast asked Madonna to go and sing and she refused to do it. Right. So other cast members would go and pretend to be her and sing songs. um also in the city they filmed in evansville quote madonna was so rude to citizens hotel and restaurant staff and other locals that her reputation is still tarnished and she spoke poorly of the city in interviews um she was so miserable she wrote to a photographer friend this is a quote from a letter she wrote to a friend quote i cannot suffer any more than i have in the past month learning how to play baseball with a bunch of girls yuck in chicago double yuck 
I have a tan, I'm dirty all day, and I hardly ever wear makeup. Penny Marshall, Laverne, Gina Davis is a Barbie doll. And when God decided where the beautiful men were going to live in the world, he did not choose Chicago. I've made a few friends, but they are athletes, not actresses. They have nothing on the house of extravaganza. I wish I could come to New York. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? That's nasty. What a garbage garbage. What a Brad. So then this is my favorite part. John Lovitz, when he found out that Madonna had used a fake name when she checked in a ho- into a hotel, decided he would also use a pseudonym. <laughs> and so he checked into his hotel under Edna who would he do? <laughs> oh, God. That's amazing. <laughs> I just love that, like, it sounds like she was garbage. That she was a pain to be around. That uh, she didn't want to be there. And, like, everybody had to put up with it because, like, her name might help sell tickets. And so everybody just kind of took the piss out of it. Like, you know, pretending to be her and singing songs for the fans because she refuses to. Checking in under Edna Puadidu because she checked in under a pseudonym, even though everyone clearly is going to know who she is. It's really disappointing. Yeah, it's so stinky. Like, I just feel like, especially pre-social media, like, I feel like rock stars and celebrities were just on, like, they just lived different lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. I go back to, like, the John Mulaney story about... um Mick Jagger and how all of a sudden he just has a Diet Coke in his head. He'll just say <laughs> Diet Coke and then he'll be handed a Diet Coke in that moment. Like they they just have this privilege of getting what they want when they want it and they don't have to be uncomfortable or do things they don't want to do ever. So if well, anything interrupts that or encroaches on that even the littlest bit, then apparently no, she chose to be in this movie about baseball. Well, she's great in the movie. I, and I think that's what's so disappointing about it is as we were watching the movie, I was like, I love Madonna in this. And I know you like that. What's that movie you like her in? <laughs> Who's that girl? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Madonna's just the superstar to, to baby Elliot, right? <laughs> it's disappointing that she's so, you know what, though? Whatever. Gina Davis still rocks. Gina Davis is still really cool. And I feel like Madonna isn't really cool anymore. So, mm-hmm. and I think Rosie O'Donnell's cool. She's in the new Elward show. But uh, you know what? Like now watching the, the TV series of A League of Their Own, I wish that Gina Davis was as cool as Abby Jacobson's character. Uh, my is. review on Letterboxd was just like, this movie isn't gay enough. Yeah, totally. Like it's it's got... I mean, it certainly has that subtextual queerness that could allow a person to like, you know, feel like they've got the mirage of water in a desert. But mm-hmm. I told you it's going to be all about Big the meta- metaphors today. Because <laughs> I'm going back to work next week. I got to get my like literary <laughs> Um Two other cool pieces of trivia, though. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I think this is cool. So I guess that Demi Demi Moore was actually going to be cast as Dottie, mm. but then she got pregnant. And Penny Marshall said it in an interview that Bruce Willis quote literally screwed her out of the part. Oh God, <laughs> you! <laughs> I, know, I think it's funny though. Also, uh, the peeing scene. Every take, uh, Tom Hanks wouldn't know when it would end because it would. Penny Marshall would be like on at the side of him with a hose and a and a bucket, and he didn't get to stop peeing or acting peeing until like. The hose stopped, <laughs> which is funny. really funny. Man, it feels like Tom Hanks is just the best at taking a piss on camera. Yeah, Green Mile. Oh, and then this. he pees a lot in that movie. Well, oh, and then in uh, Forrest Gump, he pees too. Remember, he goes to see. I don't remember. He goes to see JFK, and he's like, "Congratulations, 
how do you feel? And he's like, I gotta pee. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> but I think remember. he goes, I think he actually pees on camera. Maybe that's that like in his contract. He has to pee in every movie. Yeah, I need a piss take. But yeah, so like this is a complicated movie because I actually I really enjoyed watching it like a lot. Yeah. But then like on reflection, I was like, well, it was a little like it was maybe a little too simple. It was maybe a little too sweet. Um, and I don't know that there's necessarily something wrong with that. It's just like for me personally, it leaves me feeling a little unsatisfied. Like I feel satisfied yeah. in the moment, and then on reflection, I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I need to eat something else. I feel like I need to watch something else, like to cleanse this palate or to fill me up. You know. Mm. Yeah. Mixing my metaphors. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Like, I feel, yeah, like it, this is, and happy having watched the show right now, it's easy to watch compared to the show because it's, I feel like more things are kind of played for levity, more <laughs> things are kind of play, played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show is doing a good job of being like, you know, times were fucked. And like, yeah. uh, it it's not as, it's not as buttoned. As, it's not buttoned as nicely as the as the movie makes it seem like yeah. it is. And I mean, we're not done it yet. We're halfway through, but way more gay. Yeah, love that. Um, I want to say, though, <laughs> first of all, um, I wrote in here, I wanted to mention, because you've talked about how you haven't seen a Bill Pullman movie, but he's in this one, so you've seen another one. But my, I didn't notice this when I was typing, but my... Uh, <laughs> my document autocorrected Bill Pullman to Bill Pulled Llama. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen two Bill Pull- Pulled Llama films now. Um, and also, Tom Hanks has one of my favorite lines that's ever been spoken in a movie. There's no crying in baseball? Nope. Never tell you that you look like a penis with a little hat on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, there was some good comedy in this. And like, I really like Gina Davis. Like, a lot. She seems really cool in real life too. I mean, who knows? But mm-hmm. she appears to be cool to me. Um, she's a total babe. Like, yeah, I really like her. So I'm glad I've seen it. I don't see myself like returning to it a lot. Yeah. But I but I like I'm glad I've seen it now. Yeah. I even got a little emotional at the end. Like they Well, that's what I mean. She, like Penny Marshall's really good. At getting you to root for these characters such to the point that you feel the emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she does it in Awakenings too and I always feel that in it and then afterwards I'm like, but it's missing the complexity. I guess we have other things for that and then we can have those conversations but yeah, I don't know. No, I hear you. I think I, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect from the conversation about this but I think it's really, I think it's interesting because yeah, like this is on the surface, this is just like a really easy movie mm-hmm. to pick up. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, as time has gone on, like a lot's changed since 1992 and the, the stories we, I think for us, the stories we want to hear mm-hmm. and we want to watch. Yeah. I hear you. Especially when it's based on something true, I think is where, and, and Awakenings is also based on something true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it gets complicated for me, where I feel like we're scrubbing the difficulty of the real life experience and we're scrubbing the ugly things out or we're like putting just enough of them in to make it feel in the moment like, oh yeah, they are addressing that. Yeah. Um, whereas like with Big, I I don't think that's based on a true story. So <laughs> I feel a little less complicated about that, I guess. Yeah. And I'm glad that um, A League of Their Own, the show is kind of taking it in a different direction. Yeah. The right direction so far. <laughs> Definitively. You heard it here. The right direction. <laughs> yeah. Halfway through. The right direction. Yeah. Okay. How... 
did a league of their own make you feel as a kid to throw you a second question and how does it make you feel now um i think that it's just like it was like comfort food for me as a kid so whenever i was watching it i'm just like it made me happy i knew all the i knew all the beats i was always happy to to watch it now i just i kind of have that nostalgia mm-hmm. um i still think it's very enjoyable um and yeah like it's it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really like it. Um, but uh, yeah, it did a, we watching this before we even started the show, like it just got me more pumped up for the show. And uh, yeah. Yeah. As somebody who hadn't seen it before, how did it make you feel? It made me feel like pretty sentimental in the moment. And then I think as, as you're hearing now a little bit more critical on reflection, but like, as I was watching it, I think it did what any sports movie is trying to accomplish you to do, which is I was rooting for them. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for Gina Davis. I was rooting for the Peaches. And I got caught up in that um, sports enthusiasm. Nice. Yeah, which is yeah. not something I feel often. So, yeah. Congratulations, Penny Marshall. Am I boring you? Nope. Big, big yawns over here. <laughs> I'm just a baby. Just a baby. Okay. All right. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> um I uh is my pick next and I wanted to watch something kind of silly and fun that you hadn't seen before and it was brought on by the fact that we watched the uh the new trailer for Tim Burton's Wednesday that is dropping on Netflix soon. Um I chose the 1991 comedy fantasy movie, The Addams Family. Uh, it's directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, written by Carol- Carolyn Thompson and Larry Wilson, based on the characters by Charles Adams. Uh, his, uh, his real family, perhaps? No. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. The Adams Family is definitely based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it stars Angelica Houston as Marticia Adams, Raul Julia as Gomez Adams, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester, Jimmy Workman as Pugsley, and the wonderful Christina Ricci as Wednesday. What's this movie about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you tell me the synopsis? The synopsis for the 1991 comedy fantasy film The Adams Family is con artists plan to fleece an eccentric family using an accomplice who claims to be their long lost uncle. That's like. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's IMDb. What can I say? I, but yeah, I watched this movie. I watched this movie last year. I watched this and the sequel last year, <laughs> I think. Just like wanted some comfort food stuff. This is another one that I watched a ton as a kid, but you had never seen it. No, which seems. This is like low hanging fruit for you. I yeah, think. like it seems wrong. Yeah. And I kept waiting for a moment where I was like, oh no, I've seen this. It never came. If I've seen it, I saw it so long ago. This came out when we were one year old. Yeah. That I, yeah. If if I have seen it, it came out so long ago that I don't remember it. But I'm so confused because I do know the Adams family. So do I just know them from the zeitgeist? Sounds like it. Or like there was a TV show apparently. Like not, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I say that like. <laughs> I, I don't mean the original TV show. I mean, there was like subsequent TV shows. So it's possible maybe I saw that. I don't know. I believe that someone in my family dressed up as Cousin It once for Halloween. And I believe <laughs> someone else in my family dressed up as Morticia Adams once for Halloween. So 
somewhere we were talking about the Adams family, but I just genuinely believe that I have not seen this film before. And considering I was kind of like a spooky ooky kid, hot topic girl, remember? How have I never seen this before? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just as surprised as you because even going into watching it this week, I'm like, well, you're going to love this. Like, I feel like you're going to have fun with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think of it? Um, yeah, I really liked the aesthetic. I liked the characters. I know the characters. Like, I do. I, I know who the Adams family are. I'm yeah, the whole, fam- familiar. The whole time we're watching it, you're like, when's Cousin Nick coming? <laughs> I, I was really hung up on the fact that Cousin It wasn't there the whole time. Well, even at the beginning, I was like, where's Uncle Fester? Like, yeah. you know, so I, yeah, I liked all of that. I have to say, I didn't love the story. Story's okay. The story's yeah. really like, this could be a TV episode. Oh, yeah, big time. Like, I, I feel like I want those actors. I, I, like, I loved the casting. Yeah, everybody's I loved great the set. In this. Like I loved everything about that. So I loved all the little moments where it's just like insight into who the Adams family are. Mm-hmm. And I think I could have used more of like like an Edward Scissorhands story or something of like the Adams family moving into that area or like that was just focused on the family and not this weird like con artist storyline. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um like that felt like a sequel storyline. Now I've read online that the second one's better it's definitely sillier oh well i don't know if that'll mean better i don't know i mean as a kid i liked it like i i was all about the adams family who knew i i like i watched them so many times well i yeah so i loved the characters Mm -hmm. like i can't see myself being drawn to this story again and again Mm -hmm. but all the little, mo- like all the moments where you see the dynamics of the family, like where you see how much Gomez and Morticia love each other. Yeah. <laughs> Relationship goals. Yeah. Holy moly. Like those two are deeply in love. I, ugh, Christina Ricci can do basically no wrong. Well, I told you when we were watching this, like when I was a kid, I had the biggest crush on Christina Ricci. Like when you were a little boy, you had a crush on like little Christina Ricci. Yeah. yeah. Like I loved her in, in this, um, and then in, in Casper. Uh, now, <laughs> now and, and then. then. Yeah. Yeah, that's where my crush for Christina Ricci yeah. exists. Yeah. But yeah. She's, or existed as a child. I don't have a crush on child Christina Ricci anymore. But she's uh, she's great in this. Oh, my goodness. She was born to play Wednesday Adams. Yeah. Like, I read online, I and I don't know, it was IMDb trivia, so I don't know how true it is that like this is one of her favorite roles she's ever played. So I don't know when she said that, if she still feels that way. But it looks so fun. Like every little moment with her is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know what? Honestly, it's probably good that I wasn't watching this because I would have been like super obsessed with her to like probably would have tried to model my life after Wednesday Adams. <laughs> right. I don't know how healthy that is. I probably would have braids right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know. No, she's great. Everybody just went all in on this. Yeah. They were just like, we're going to we're going to just ham it up and give it our all and like we know the source material and just we're just going to live in that and have fun. Yeah, so it was, it was super fun. I think I laughed a lot. I particularly like I said I liked all the moments with like Morticia and Gomez and I liked all the like the little bits with like Wednesday doing something <laughs> to her brother. Um their I'm, play scene is one of the best things I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so good. Like the movie's worth it alone for like 
the entire like the entirety of how that goes down and like the audience reaction is just mm-hmm. phenomenal um so i really enjoyed all of that well like and the bit that they just do over and over and it's just core to the adams family and it i feel like in the context of the adams family will never get old are just all of the like puns and just like subversions of them do like um like the don't torture yourself gomez that's my job like yeah. the misdirect and then the like the punchline oh, of yeah. like something something darker yeah yeah like so many times when wednesday like morticia's like what are you doing and she's like i'm gonna go do this to my brother and then she's like don't do that and then hands her like a bigger weapon yeah and you're like oh what <laughs> i love that it's like they they play it to death no pun intended and, <laughs> and yet, it's so good they're all so like smart and loving loving they care about their i mean they're bob's burgers in in the sense of like yeah, yeah. this family that's weird and easily could be portrayed in a family guy style way mm-hmm. but instead it's about we're weird together and we love each other and like like we will fiercely depend uh, defend each other mm-hmm. when infiltrators try and like break us apart yeah right and I and I am a sucker for that. I'm a sucker for a family that, despite their weirdnesses, love each other fiercely. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, it's also a. Uh, in speaking of Morticia and Gomez, this is a very horny movie. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> horny movie. I'm like, oh my goodness! Like, I, what's happening now? Like, I don't know who this movie is for. Like, is I it, mean, you loved it as a child. Yeah. Like, is it for? Was it for kids? And it's well, like play like it has like some like kind of adult themes yeah. or is it just kind of like is it just for a catch all of just anybody and everybody? Well, it's probably a family film, like one of those things where it's rated PG-13. Oh, it's not for kids. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I feel like it's one of those things where when you're young enough, that stuff's just going to go over your head. So it's like it's not explicit enough to, I think, be inappropriate for children i think like you just wouldn't really get it if you're young enough and then when you're older you're like damn this is a horny movie yeah (laughs) you know i kept being like holy holy moly are they gonna go have sex like what's (laughs) what's happening um and christina ricci wednesday adams is just gonna go torture her brother and off we go well it's so funny too because like they bring when they bring in other people that aren't the adams family they're kind of meant as this representation of the audience because most of us aren't like the Adams family. I think we want to be. That's just it. We're just kind of like, hey, like, especially now as adults watching this, I'm just like, like, don't be dicks. Like, look at them. Like, they all love and care for each other and they're like deeply invested in their family. Yeah, who cares if they like to eat gross stuff and torture each other? And like, if it's all consenting. <laughs> and like, I, I'm, I'm also curious watching it this time, like, how are they so wealthy? Like, how does Gomez have all the doubloons? Oh, I, I think it's family money, as they seem to. There is, you could write a sweet. By sweet, I don't mean like sugary sweet. I mean like sweet. You could write a really good university essay on like capitalism and like generational wealth. In the Adams family. In the Adams family. <laughs> how like they don't got to do anything. They don't want to do dick all. Yeah. Because they have family wealth. Yeah. Right? And like, in some ways, you know, you could reverse this story. And if you made the con artists sympathetic characters, then the Adams family look like real assholes. Right. right? Um, and it becomes about, it becomes a socioeconomic film, right? There's a parasite in this. Like there's, 
a version of the Adams family that is Parasite. There's a Bong Joon Ho version of, of the Adams family, family yeah. for sure. Um, and I want to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forget Tim Burton. Forget Barry Sonnenfeld. Like, give us like a real drama. Yeah, Adams family. I would be actually so into that. I love when they do stuff like that. Such a sucker for it. You said you have some trivia. Do you? No. Oh. Uh, well, I do. Did you know that Tim Burton was offered this and turned it down? Uh, no, but that, checks I mean, out. Checks out. Right. Um, also, uh, Raul Julia, who played Gomez, I guess. So he's he's no longer alive. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like one of his favorite things he ever did. And he was like getting recognized for it the rest of his life. And I read like a little trivia about how like it always made him so happy to have like kids come up to him and be like, Gomez Adams, like that he forever like loved being stopped on the street and like referred to as Gomez, oh, which is that. really sweet. Um, yeah. Angelica Houston, however, did not have a good time on this film. Oh, really? They put this like contraption on her head to make her um, eyes look lifted up and her eyebrows look lifted up and it was incredibly painful. Oh. And she had to be in like some kind of like a bodysuit type thing too to like give her that like mm. upward Elvira kind of right and and she was just incredibly physically uncomfortable through the making of the oh, film stinky but she came yeah. back for the second one yeah I, I don't think she had like a bad time on the set and i don't think she just disliked the film i think it just like physically physically uncomfortable. was uncomfortable yeah, yeah right okay yeah that's kind of stinky but i mean it seems like like the fact that everybody with the exception of i think the character like the person who plays mama comes, <laughs> mama com- mama <laughs> comes back for the second one I did read a funny piece of trivia there too. This is getting long-winded. But that in the original comic by Charles Adams that this is based on, Mama is Gomez's mom. And then it kind of like through the TV show. I think in the TV show, it's Morticia's mom. And it kind of just gets like all funky about like whose mom is she. Okay. And then they have like, I actually just cut this out because I can't remember the story fully. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's some like bit later on about like they're she's both of their moms or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. no, it's funnier than that. But I've I didn't write it down because I thought you would. <laughs> I didn't. I, okay. I didn't do any deep diving on this one. No worries. No worries. Um, I yeah, I, just talking about this movie. I feel like I talked about this movie for a really long time. I I I really love this movie. <laughs> really like yeah. could you watch it every year yeah i don't know that i could i think it's one of those things of when you didn't see it when you're a kid there's a certain amount of magic that's not like i said i loved the characters mm-hmm. but the story is pretty little kiddish yeah it's pretty silly it's not that interesting and i think i would have had to see that as a kid to love that part of it right yeah and i think that's i think that's fair but i'm game to watch the second one. Oh yeah we will and I'm game to watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Wednesday. Like it, the the trailer that they released. I'm I'm in. I'm intrigued. And Jenna Ortega, is that her name? <sighs> I think Maybe? she's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think she'll be good. Christina Ricci. Re- Christina, <laughs> Christina Ricci. <laughs> Christina Ricci recently um, gave her like praise of her being Wednesday. Nice. I think is like, I don't know. I feel like um, outside of the the gif or the video of Wednesday Adams dancing from the original like black and white TV show that Christina Ricci has kind of become. Oh, the, the iconic the Wednesday iconic Adams. Wednesday yeah. Adams. There's a tattoo from the person who did our first couple tattoos in Montreal, Lydia. 
Machiara. Lydia Marinara. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not her name. <laughs> Should be. That'd be a missed opportunity for a cool Instagram handle. That's a good like uh like punk name. Lydia like, Marinara. Lydia Marinara. Totally. But she did a really cool tattoo. Of, <laughs> Lydia like, Marinara and the spaghettis. <laughs> <laughs> she did a really cool tattoo of um Wednesday Adams like drinking poison. Mm. And it's Christina Ricci's Wednesday Adams. And I remember being like, I want that tattoo, but like I shouldn't get that tattoo because I don't have an attachment. Like I don't actually right. know or love that other than in theory. Right. Anyway. All right. Adam's family, how'd it make you feel? It made me feel nostalgic for something I've never experienced. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I, it made me sad that I didn't watch this as a kid. Mm. I felt similar to when you first showed me Little Shop of Horrors, and I'm like, how did I never see this? Like, this mm. is right up my alley, and I wish I'd been watching this since I was a kid. It also made me just, like, incredibly excited for fall and for Halloween. Oh, I'm like, nice. I am ready. Yeah. I'm ready for it to be horror movies and, like, spooky kids movies and sweater weather and... I'm going to make you decorate the house for Halloween this year. And I'm so excited. <laughs> That's great. How to make you feel. Yeah. I just, I was so happy to show it to you and that, and that you enjoyed it. And that I was yeah. kind of like, I, I really love just kind of bringing you into my world of things that I watched a ton as a kid and, and re-experiencing them myself, but experiencing them with you for the first time makes me real happy. That's sweet. Yeah. We went in a different direction for the last one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I picked a long Ooh. one, really long movie. Yeah. Two hours and 40 minutes. It's like, yeah, it was like the first day that we didn't have like a bunch of plans or that, that made us try to watch time. something that was like 90 minutes or less. Yeah. It's been a lot of that. Been like, what's the shortest movies movie, we yeah. can watch? What's yeah. the shortest movie on my watch list? Okay. So I picked the 2016 um, Korean mystery drama horror film, The Wailing which has been recommended to us um, by Jeremy and by other folks. I see a lot of praise for it on Reddit and on Letterboxd. So it's kind of been something that's been on our radar for a while. Um, it was directed and written by Na, Na Hong Jin, and it's starring Jun Kunimura as the Japanese man, Huang Jun Min as Il Guang, Kwak Do Wan as Jong Gu, who's our protagonist. Probably should have listed him first. IMDb didn't. Um, Wu Hee Chun as the mysterious woman and Hwan Hee Kim as Hyo Jin who like that little kid rocks her performance Big so time. I felt like she needed to be listed here. Um, the synopsis is soon after a stranger arrives in a little village a mysterious sickness starts spreading a policeman drawn into the incident is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter what'd you think oh man this was a sad miserable movie yeah um yep yeah, like uh, the the story aspect of it, the mystery of it, uh, it totally wrapped me up. Totally, like, yeah. Uh, I was very, I was very engaged, and um, I, I was I was totally I was totally there for the whole movie. Um, and like you know, just as it went on, you know, trying to deduce like who's good, who's bad, like you and I did a lot of that it's like oh but this person did this so they must be good but they also did this so they must be bad like mm -hmm. it was a lot of that happening and at one point like we kind of just took uh, a bio break in the middle of it and it, we were like halfway through we still had like a whole movie's worth of movie left yeah I think and we're we like had an hour and 24 minutes left and there were like 
well, all of this stuff that we're thinking probably needs to be thrown out the window because there's so much movie left and how... How could that possibly resolve like that? Yeah. Where would they go? Yeah, exactly. Like, they're going to milk this for another hour and a half? Impossible. (laughs) Um, But I think that this movie was just chock full of upsetting scenes and upsetting imagery. Yeah. I mean, so the gore and the creeps are kind of few and far between. They're a little sparse, but when they are there, they are there. Well, there's like... There's a lot of, and I I don't like this, but I do like this in Korean cinema specifically, where there's something that's happening that's eliciting like a very like scare, like it's re- eliciting a reaction from the people in the scene that something horrific is going on. Mm-hmm. And then we're usually with our, our character that's just like entered the scene and then we kind of follow them to the reveal of whatever that thing is. Mm -hmm. And they do that a lot in Korean cinema. And it is such an effective device. And it's just, it gets under my skin. Like Mm -hmm. it just gives me the Wiggins. Like there was a lot of moments in this too, that just reminded me of that one scene from Parasite with the stairs. Mm. Like just, you're kind of waiting or like um, Bob in Twin Peaks crawling over the couch. Mm -hmm. Like just like those just like yuck. There's nothing inherently scary about it, but it is scary. Yeah, a lot of that. Like if you described the scene to someone, why would it be scary? But the way that it's filmed just creates this unease within your body. Yeah. Yeah. It also has a lot of body contortion stuff, which gets me. Yeah. I will also say there's a lot of animals that die in this movie. There's yeah. a lot of slitting of animals' throats or otherwise puncturing animals with sharp objects so if you don't like that and then none of it's real like Mm -hmm. it's all cgi i don't i don't know if they're cgi but it's all like puppet work or like implied off screen or whatever yeah um but there's a lot of animal death yeah there is and human death (laughs) a lot of animal and human death a lot of also humans being punctured with sharp objects um, I like you, I was really invested in the mystery. I do think I felt like it kind of restarted itself several times. Like it almost felt like a mini series that was pushed into a movie. Mm. Like I think I could, I would have really enjoyed watching some of these like shifts in tone or ca- introduction of new characters halfway through the film as like a new episode. Right. Um, but it's not, it's a film. Mm hmm. And there's a character I think could have been taken out of the film, reduced the runtime, and the film would be just as good. Yeah. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but I just think that they're an unnecessary character personally. But I also think that there's a sociopolitical context that I am missing that elevates this film. Yes. Like as I'm watching it, I'm like, I have a, a loose awareness of like the Japanese colonization of Korea that like is probably figuring into having the one character be the Japanese man and the way that they speak about him is sometimes pretty curt and brash, right? Um, At least in the way that it's subtitled. But I just don't know enough historically about that to really understand the um, intricacies and complexities of that. So I'm waiting for the right article or Reddit thread to explain that to me and convince me that this is like a brilliant, brilliant film Mm -hmm. because people really like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I can feel 
I feel like when it ended, I can f- I can feel the brilliance that exists within this film. Yeah. But I don't, I can't understand it. Yeah. And that's the, so I was thinking about this and I haven't hit it yet. Just like we haven't figured out the whole mom versus dad energy. But when I had my light bulb moment about action slash adventure that we talked about a couple episodes ago, I feel like I haven't hit my light bulb moment here yet which is that there are some movies that I watch in the end and I'm like, that made no sense, but I loved it. Yeah. And I feel dumb, but I'm okay with it. And then there's some that end and I'm like, I don't understand it and I feel dumb and I'm upset about that. Right. And I haven't figured out yet what differentiates the two. I think it might be that I feel like the average person should know, like should come out of this, that the movie wants me to come away understanding it. Like there should be a surface level understanding for the general audience. Yeah, and that I feel I've missed. And so that makes me feel dumb and therefore I'm upset. Hmm. Whereas in a film like say Eraserhead, I feel like, well, nobody's supposed to come away understanding this. So I'm okay that I didn't understand it. Like we're all supposed to come away theorizing and talking about it, right? Yeah. Um, And I felt a little bit like that at the end where I'm like, okay, but I'm not sure I understood. Well, yeah, like... Like I said, I'm so here for the mystery for throughout the whole runtime of this movie that by the time we get to the end where reveals start happening and more information is kind of, kind of coming to light, I, as things are revealed, I'm like, I, I, don't, I still don't understand. I don't, I don't really know what's being revealed. Yeah. Like, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, like I've I? seen some comparisons of this film to Seven and I'm like, but I understood the end of Seven. Yeah. I understood the mystery there. So I don't know how much of that is because I'm missing that sociopolitical thing, how much of it is because yeah, um, all of that. I kind of felt like this, and it's it's not fair to just like plunk other movies in as a comparison, but it is helpful for me to wrap my mind around like what other media I've seen that it reminds me of. And it kind of reminded me of season one of True Detective mixed yeah. with The Exorcist. Yes. Which are two very different things. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so I'd be seeing these scenes where I'm like, ooh, this is giving me real like extra, or, um, sorry, true detective vibes, like creepy stuff in the woods. There's a mystery. There's a cop who's trying to solve it. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get into this like my daughter's possessed and I'm trying to solve that, which I also really liked. But it didn't always jive for me, despite mm-hmm. the fact that I was really enjoying watching it. Yeah. I didn't like this one as much as I think some other people did. I think I didn't like it as much as I think you did. Well, I don't. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't love it. I think because it left me with that sense of, I don't know how I felt about this. Like I I don't, I don't love movies much to what you're kind of talking about. I don't love when movies um, make or elicit a response for me. That's like, okay, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's going on mm-hmm. not and not like a you compared it to like a, an eraser head kind of experience where you're like what's going on you know yeah like you're just and kind that's of wrapped the up. entire film not just right at the end yeah, yeah but when you're like this movie feels like it is it has a plot that is driving it forward yeah but, but i'm just like how do certain scenes have any bearing on that and where's it going to take us and did that pay off in the end i'm still unsure of like I'm just, i really liked the ending like the experience of watching it it is something to behold oh yeah and yet at the same time i was left with questions yes so it may be that the right article comes along to convince me it's brilliant that happened with the green knight where i left the green knight being like i don't understand i liked watching it but i don't understand and then i read a bunch and i'm like okay it's brilliant i'm gonna go watch it again and then 
with that understanding like that that i feel could happen with this movie where i read yeah. enough about it and i'm like oh no it's really great mm-hmm. but i just didn't get it because i didn't have like in the green knight i didn't have this like gawian literary understanding of or gawan literary understanding of this and in this maybe there's like some like i said socio-political historical stuff that i just need to know yeah um but i did enjoy watching it i just didn't come away i, I thought i was gonna like in like the first 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a five out of five movie for me. Right. And then I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, and I, yeah, I, I'm wondering if it needed to be as long. Like, I, That's what I mean. I it feel, could take that character out and save us half an hour. Well, and even like our our lead character, like Jong Goo, like he, I feel like he's, it feels like his character is kind of going down a certain path of development. And then I feel like it just it'll kind of pull the rug out from under you and he'll just kind of revert back to where he was earlier in the movie mm-hmm. or like go down a completely different path that I wasn't expecting him to. And that that's not where the story was leading him to. So I'm like, uh, he's not a reliable protagonist really. And the story is not letting him be reliable. And maybe that's part of it. And maybe we'll read the article that tells us why. Have it like, have you, did you come across anything from the director? No, I read the Wikipedia page and I was like, okay, I did understand the plot. Like, I didn't miss anything in the plot. Like, I read the plot summary and right. then I just looked at, like, the the main Reddit discussion on it and I, like, wasn't into what people were saying. Oh. So, like, some some people were trying to say that, like, none of it was real and I'm like, mm, disagree. Yeah. So, yeah. then I stopped reading because it was, like, one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And we're old. Okay. How did The Wailing make you feel? Uh, Bummed out. Like I was like it, like in that it's a like sad yeah movie. like yeah yeah um and just like filled me with a lot of uncertainty like um both kind of like unsure throughout the story and then at the end yeah just like again left with like that question mark over top of my head mm-hmm. of like how did it make me feel like I, mm. I I don't know and like I I think that I really liked it but I also think I didn't understand it fully and there's you know, if it is very surface level and we're just meant to take that away from it, like, I don't know if it's that strong, but I, but if it's meant to make us feel that sense of confusion, then it is really strong. Yeah. And that's the thing is like that I'm wrestling with, but I, I'm with you. I enjoyed watching it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the mystery that unfolded. I thought the execution of it was great. Like the cinematography was amazing. Like the whole process of watching this movie as an experience, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that I just because we only watched it last night as of this recording, I'm still sitting with and it. Yeah, it, there's some movies you need to sit with, and this is one of them. So it's a little fresh still. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I have confused written down, and not just confused as in like this is a confusing movie, but just like confused about how I feel about it. Yeah. It's one that I think um, my thoughts and feelings on it could change. Yeah. Which I welcome. I agree. I welcome that. Change is good. People change. Yeah. I'm, I am happy we finally got to see it, though. Yeah. Just after, yeah, like you said, hearing from Jeremy and then hearing just kind of generally that it's, it's a must-see if you like these the kinds of movies. So. Yeah. Okay. It's time. www.baddadoftheweek.com <laughs> don't, don't type that into your <laughs> browser. It will take you nowhere. Who's your bad dad nominee? I'm going to nam- nominate. I'm going to nominate. I'm going to laminate. I'm going to nominate. <laughs> <laughs>
the character of Abigail Craven from the Adams family. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's one bad dad. Yeah. She's a user, an abuser. She's aggressive. She's rude. She yells. She doesn't allow her adult child to live their own life. Yeah. Don't like. I don't like it. I don't like it. Who's your bad dad? Uh, I picked John Goo from The Wailing. No. Yeah. I, no. So here's the, here's the thing. Like this is what I'm talking about with the story. It was just like, I feel like he gets in his own way multiple times throughout this story. And he has like this ego about what he does for a living and what he wants to do, what he thinks is right. Like he just kind of operates. I feel like he kind of, you know, maybe except for say his daughter, he just kind of like does. I feel like he could care less about other family members in his life. But if the person cares about his daughter and we're talking about being a bad or rad dad, I I don't know. I don't know. I just like, and I also, I also feel like he just won't let himself understand things. Like he just, he gets, he stands in his own way on, th- on things. And like, I think you, I think this is more about him as a person than a dad though. I mean, it, it is. You have a, it just feels like you just have a bone to pick with John Goo and you're utilizing this section of our show to, to pick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I feel like, I mean, Yours is very clearly that kind of energy. Oh, but you're more abstract. I feel like mine is a little bit more heady, <laughs> but because just, I love the Adams family so yeah. much, I'll acquiesce to yeah? Abigail. Yeah. Okay. Feels like it's a little bit um uh reluctant. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, convince me more. Okay, Abigail Craven from the Adams family. Get out of here. Go away. Pee pee poo poo. Uh, Rad Dad. I have a twofer. Wait. Oh. My pick for Rad Dad, Rad Dads of the Week are Morticia, Morticia and Gomez Adams. Okay. Yeah. I picked Morticia. Oh, okay. So I can, I, I can be convinced by what you're saying. Um, do you want to hear why I picked Morticia first since you picked both? Yeah. Um, so I picked Morticia specifically because particularly in this film version of Morticia Adams, I feel like we s- witness her letting her children be who they are, like yep. continually supporting who they are and who they want to be and what they're interested in. Um, and she encourages that. She lead- this, this was the most important thing to me. She leads by example that being a parent also means being your own person. Mm-hmm. And, like, you don't all have to have the same interests. You don't have to, like, just be a parent and that's it. Um, You can do both. But by that same vein, I think that Gomez does that as well. Well, I think they do it as a unit. Yeah, I agree. So I I, um, I forgot that we can nominate co-parents because it kind of happened by accident last time. Mm-hmm. Um, So tell me a little bit about why you chose them and then I, I'm already on board. Yeah, so it's all the things that you said. But like, I love how they both implore and support their children and they're very prideful of them mm-hmm. like i feel like everything about it is just evidenced in the the school play scene mm-hmm. like the way that they watch their children on stage mm-hmm. the way that they like give them a standing ovation at the end of the performance and they're unabashedly 
proud of their children. And yet their children are not their whole lives. No. Like they are their own people with their own interests and they make time for that and they model that for their children that as you grow up, you don't just become a parent and you have Mm -hmm. no other identity while still also parenting their children really well within the context of what this family means. Yeah. But I I, know like what I love is that they raise their kids in their own way. Mm -hmm. Like the Adams family as a unit is different from any other family. I suppose you could say that about any family, but they're different from any other family in this universe that, that exists. Like they're the outliers. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, even though like they're called idiots and morons multiple times throughout this movie, like they just stay true to themselves. Mm -hmm. And they, I feel like they make sure that their children know that, that Mm -hmm. they don't need to change, that they can go to school, go to a normal school and and do weird ass things and and do weird things. And like, that's their normal. That's who they want to be. So, you know, let your freak flag fly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Morticia and Gomez Adams. Be Be our dads. dads. All right. Uh, (laughs) Short and sweet rad wreck. Um, Oh, so uh, this morning I was walking to my office to grab some stuff and uh, I knew that you had been in your office the day before chilling. And as I was walking past this morning, there was a still lit candle that had been burning all night. Mm-hmm. So rad wreck of the week is to blow out your candles. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. it. Yeah. You told me it and it didn't quite sink in. And then I went to my office and saw that this brand new candle that I had gotten as a wonderful gift from my friend Jordan for my birthday smells great. The whole upstairs smells like it now (laughs) Um, is like 75% burned, which like would normally take me months to make it that burned through. Um, And I felt the way that you feel when you have like a near miss car accident. Yeah. My stomach just like turned and I was like, oh, my God. Uh, So, yeah, rad wreck of the week. Don't leave your candles burning overnight. And so I was never allowed to burn candles as a kid. My mom thought it was too dangerous. And I've loved that as an adult, I can burn candles in my own house if I want. And now I'm like, holy moly. Maybe they are too dangerous. Maybe they are too dangerous. (sighs) Maybe they are. But uh, just double check. Yeah. Blow out them candles. Blow out them candles. You can enjoy them all you want. But blow them out. But in the blow end. them out when you're done. Oh, oh boy. We're, glad we're, I didn't burn our house down. Yeah, we're still here. We're still here. We're, we're still, still good. good. Um, but that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We drop a new episode every Thursday. And until then, you can follow us and slide into our DMs over on Instagram at baddad.raddad. Help, Help us, us beat, beat Perry. Perry. <laughs> yeah, we want to get more followers than Perry. Then we'll be famous. So, uh, yeah, definitely slide over on Instagram and give us a follow. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at baddadraddad. You can get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual Letterboxd accounts. Our usernames are Elliot Cuss and Kylie Burton. Links for those are in the show notes. And we would absolutely love you forever. If you could drop us a rating, review, or follow on Apple on Opal Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Well, that is going to do it for these stinkies for this week. So until next time. I'm Kylie and my dad's dead. I'm Elliot and my dad's a deadbeat. But remember, not all dads have to be bad.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.